Scripture today is from Psalm 119. The longest psalm in the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible. Verses 9 through 16, the second section. We looked at verses 1 through 8 last week. So let's listen to the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is the word of the living God, the inerrant, the inspired, uh, the life-giving word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your law, that you would open our hearts to receive it by faith, and that you would take our lives and let them be conformed to what we read and hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first eight verses of this psalm that we looked at last week taught us the pathway to happiness or blessing, uh, blessedness. Everyone wants to be happy, but we're taught that the way to happiness is, in essence, holiness. And so now, the second section of Psalm 119, we find that the focus is on the pathway to purity or holiness. Uh, if you want to be happy, you've got to go through purity, the purity path. So that's what we're looking at today. And uh, to summarize these eight verses that I just read, the psalmist affirms his devotion uh, to the Word of God because it cleanses one's way in life. And that prompts us to want to learn more of that word, to begin to delight in it, to meditate on it, to rejoice in it. So the psalmist expresses some very deep yearnings in this section of Psalm 119. Uh, He may be a young man himself as he writes these things. It kind of seems that he is. We don't know for sure who wrote it, but... uh, Do you have these yearnings yourself? You may be young uh, or somewhere uh, a little above youth or a lot above youth, but do you yearn for purity? Uh, Do you yearn for the word uh, of God and do you meditate on it and delight in it? Uh, And it's clear in this psalm, the entire psalm, that the word of God is not a casual pursuit. It is not a hobby for him. It is something that he is giving his whole being uh, to searching out uh, to to understand it and to live it out. And so he gives us a picture of seriousness and eagerness. And as we study this passage today, that's my prayer, is that we would develop the same yearning and longing and hunger to to know the word and to live it out. And the first thing we see out of three points today is, is the need for purification by the word purification 
Verse 9 begins with a question, how can a young man cleanse his way? Uh, Other translations say, how can a young man keep his way pure? Um, I know that uh, you probably wouldn't believe it, but I was once a young man. And, uh, And yet it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And it doesn't seem like much has changed in my life. I still need to to ask and answer this question, although I would fill it in with a a little bit older version of the man. But sin, you see, it it stains our lives. It makes us filthy. It makes us dirty. And and this filth is not pleasing to God. God desires us to be clean, uh, to be pure. And this is why he created us, to be holy. He created us righteous and holy uh, with with a pure knowledge of him as well. You know, as Christians, if you are a believer in the Lord, if you've been converted to Christ and you remember when you came to him, you knew that you came to Christ because you were filthy and you needed to be cleansed. I can remember that well. Uh, But in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, the Apostle Paul lists certain uh, lifestyles, certain traits that were characteristic of the believers in Corinth before their conversion. And he mentions fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, and extortioners. And he even went on to say that, that those whose lives are characterized in, in these ways will not inherit the kingdom. But then in chapter 6, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians, he concludes that He says, but such were some of you. What happened to them? He says, but you were washed. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So these Corinthian believers at one time had lived very impure lives, but something happened to them. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. They were washed. They were justified. They were sanctified. They were cleansed. Do you remember what it was like when you first came to Jesus and he washed your sins away? Uh, when, when I was a young person, there was actually a popular song on the radio. It was played on the top 40 stations. At that time, we were listening to the AM stations. Uh, and uh, it was called, Oh Happy Day. You know, most of those songs I listened to growing up, I don't even know what they were saying. And so I actually went back and listened to this song and, uh, and then learned, yet just yesterday, learned that it was based on a hymn written in 1755 uh, by Philip Doddridge. Uh, but here's how it goes. Here, here's how it begins. It says, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed. Oh, when he washed. When Jesus washed. When he washed my sins away. Oh, happy day. And uh, what a joy to know that your sins have been forgiven, that you've been cleansed. And, and I remember how happy I was when Jesus entered my heart, when he cleansed me of sin. I, I had this image uh, that God had recreated me, that I was just a newborn infant, as it were, and that he had made me clean and whole. And it was a wonderful thing. But I can also remember the very next day, struggling and falling into temptation. So the day after my conversion, I wasn't as happy <laughs> as the day of my conversion. And notice in verse 9 what the psalmist is asking. He's asking how can we be kept 
pure. How can we be kept pure? And he, and he focuses specifically uh, you know, on young men. Now, obviously, it applies to everyone. But young men especially uh, are uh, in need of this admonition. And so uh, I would urge you, if you are a young man today, a young boy or young man, uh, then pay attention to what is being said. It will be a great help to you. The moment we confess our sins, the moment we ask for forgiveness, God doesn't hesitate. He forgives us immediately, instant cleansing. But the question is, how do we keep from falling into sin again and keep our way pure? And he answers his own question, the psalmist does. He says, by taking heed according to your word. Right? It's a simple answer. You know, in the Bible... There are only so many so many questions and so many answers, and and one of the answers, if you if you wonder what you know what the answer to a question is, the Bible, right, the Word of God, or Jesus, uh, is is always a good answer. But uh, John Bunyan said, "God's word will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from His word." But how does the word keep us from sin? Well, if you would go back to the song that I referenced, Oh Happy Day, uh, that song continues. And again, it's, it's taken right out of the old hymn. But uh, after he sings how happy he is that Jesus washed his sins away, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians seem to be stuck there. They're just, they're happy that God saved them. He washed their sins away, and that's all they know. But he goes on, he says, He taught me how. He taught me how to watch, fight, and pray. Watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. It amazes me that this is just a song on the radio, the regular radio station when I was growing up. But those who are washed, who are justified, you see, we need to go on to learn how to watch, to fight and pray against sin. We need to learn how to rejoice, not just the first day we were saved, but every day. Uh, It's it's challenging when we fall, when we yield to temptation Uh, We are rightly grieved. We grieve the Spirit. We grieve ourselves. Uh, But we need to move on uh, and learn how to rejoice uh, each and every day. Take heed according to the word. And that word, that phrase, take heed, means to listen attentively and carefully. It's not always easy to do. And and, uh, one of the characteristics of youth is... They have difficulty focusing. Now, I think they can be taught, right? I think that, that, uh, that today is an example. I think the young people in here, this room today, are, are paying attention and they're doing well. But for all of us today in our digital culture, the digital age, it's so easy to be distracted. And I, I, I speak from my own experience. So we need to pay close attention to the word if we would stay pure and be kept from sin. And take heed not only to the commandments, but to the promises of his grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus, you see, not only cleanses our way, but, it, but he enables us, he empowers us, and he leads us <clears throat> to keep his commandments. Jesus prayed, if you remember his high priestly prayer in John 17, He prayed to the Father for us. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What he's saying is that the word of God is the means of grace, the means, the primary means of sanctification, the primary means 
uh, means of staying pure and keeping pure. And so the Spirit of God uh, is at work with his word. He inspired the word and he uses the word. Um, Ephesians 5. Uh, I, I, I performed a wedding ceremony this Friday. And I thought about this passage. I didn't use it, but it says Christ... It says, love your husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The means of grace, the word of God is, is so vital. And, you know, think about Jesus, the image of marriage. Uh, Jesus desires a pure bride. Uh, you and I are preparing ourselves for our bridegroom and by his word and by his spirit working with that word he brings it about he brings about this purification process in verse 10 we read with my whole heart i have sought you uh, he mentions this idea of wholeheartedness all throughout the psalm but as i mentioned last week some of the older commentators did think that david wrote this psalm and david was known as a man after god's own heart Whoever the psalmist was, he was very much like David if he wasn't David. And he sought the Lord with his whole heart. You see, you and I will never be kept pure if we're only half-hearted about it. And yet the psalmist was wholehearted. And even though he was wholehearted, he didn't trust in his heart. He didn't trust in his own commitment because... He went on to pray, oh, let me not wander from your commandments. He knew that it was up to the Lord to keep him. It's interesting in, in the book of Jude, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. But at the end of the passage, it says, you know, that the Lord is the one who keeps us. He is able to keep you from falling. The hymn writer, like the psalmist, could say, oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. And let that grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take it, seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. And verse 11, another very practical verse, practical way in which the word keeps us on the path of purity. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin. Against you. Well, there are a number of ways to look at this. Um, first of all, the idea is that we not you and I need to get into the Word, but the Word needs to get into us, doesn't it? it needs to penetrate, it needs to permeate our lives. But to hide His Word in our hearts means, first of all, to receive it and embrace it by faith. Take every word that you read, every portion that you read, and say, "This is the Word of God. I believe it. I receive it as such." That's what they said to Paul, or Paul said of the Thessalonians, he says, we thank God when you receive the word from us, you receive it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. So receive it by faith. And of course it means, what we typically think of it meaning, to read it and commit it to memory. Right? Uh, memorizing scripture is such a wonderful thing, and I am not so good at it these days. But thankfully, when I was a younger Christian, I committed a lot of verses to memory, and they have stuck with me. Uh, it doesn't excuse me from trying to continue to memorize Scripture, but uh, we hide God's Word in our hearts when we treasure it and keep it in the forefront of our minds and use that Word, refer to it, 
uh, every every day as we go out into the world. Remember when the devil tempted Jesus, right? How did Jesus deal with those temptations? The word of God. And one of those scriptures that he quoted to the devil was from Deuteronomy 8.3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You get the impression that the word is vital. It's vital. It was for the Son of God. It should be for you. So we take the word of God. Take it in. It's necessary to sustain us. It's food for our souls. And it's a weapon to defend us. All of this, the psalmist says, so that I might not sin against you. This is not complicated stuff, is it? Right? Read the word, study it, meditate on it, pray about it, memorize it, store it away, so that you don't sin. John, First John chapter 2, he says, I write these things to you so that you don't sin. If, if you get one thing out of the message today, don't sin. God doesn't want you to sin. Very, very simple. Well, some people study the Bible for different reasons. Out of curiosity, um, maybe just to uh, be knowledgeable, maybe to find something that they can uh, criticize. I don't know. You know, people have lots of reasons. But true disciples study and learn the scriptures because it's for their own spiritual survival as they engage in spiritual warfare. Uh, it's no accident that the scripture, that Paul refers to the scriptures as the sword of the spirit. And you can't use a sword if you're not familiar with it. Right? Um, you know, it's like David comes to, you know, Goliath's armor and his sword and he says, well, I can't use these. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not used, I've never used them before. Or, I mean, Saul's armor. Um, as he faced Goliath, and he says, I've not, not tested thee. So you've got to get into the Word and be familiar with it, and that Word hidden in the heart will keep you in a pathway of purity. More time spent on this first point, but we move on now to the second point, and that is we need to continually learn more of the Word of God. Verse 12, he begins with praise. Uh, Blessed are you, Oh Lord, you see, when we hide God's word in our hearts, then it should always be returned and overflow in praise to God, because the word of God is mainly about God. The God of the word is is the main object and subject of the, of the word of God. And the more we know of it, the more we know of God, and the more we're able to worship Him uh, in spirit and in truth. And as I said Wednesday night at our prayer meeting, theology, the, the more theology we learn, the more doxology, the more praise flows back to God. And it goes on in verse 12. Teach me your statutes. Teach me. The psalmist had the, had the word of God in his possession in some form. We don't know how much of the scriptures he had personally in front of him. Uh, you and I can be very thankful that we have the completed canon of Scripture, the Old and New Testaments, and we have it so readily available to us in many forms. But uh, we can't understand what we have unless God teaches us. Uh, so the Bible is our textbook, but we need a teacher, and that teacher is the Holy Spirit. And in order to learn from our teacher, we must uh, be teachable. 
We must have humility when we come to Scripture and and not think that we already know it all, uh, but that we have a readiness to learn, a readiness to be corrected in our thinking uh, and instructed in the Word. So every time we open the Bible, every time we hear a sermon, every time we listen to a message on the Bible, we need to pray that. Lord, teach me. Uh, You know, the Holy Spirit's the teacher. People are just the instruments. Teachers are the instruments that the Spirit hopefully is using. In Psalm 119, verse 18, we have the prayer, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. So we need to depend on God as, as we go to the Scriptures uh, or as we hear a message. Uh, Charles Bridges, in his classic uh, uh, commentary on Psalm 119, writes this. He says, man's teaching puffs up. God's teaching humbles. Man's teaching may lead us into error as well as into truth. God's teaching is the unction from the Holy One by which we know all things. Man's teaching may make us more learned. God's teaching makes us more holy. There's, there's the distinction. Uh, if the Lord teaches you, you see, you will be kept on the path of purity. Verse 13 uh, shows us one of the things we're to do with that knowledge that we gain from Scripture. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. And so not only do we study the Bible uh, so that we might uh, live it out in holiness, but we are called to in some way proclaim it, to declare it to others. Uh, We are to hide the word of God in our hearts, but not to hoard it there and keep it only for ourselves. But he expects us to pass it on to those around us, like Ezra the scribe, uh, Ezra 7.10. It says of Ezra that he set his heart to study the law of God and to do it, to keep it, and to teach it, to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. So to declare or to teach the word of God, it starts in the family. Speaking of Abraham in Genesis 18.19, Uh, God said, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord. You see, children, God has commanded your parents to teach you to keep the way and the commands of the Lord. Husbands are to teach their wives, parents, teach their children. Yes, some are called to officially preach and teach the word in the church. But Hebrews says we are to exhort one another daily, uh, each other as Christians, we're to encourage with the word. And then, of course, we know our duty and responsibility to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. So speaking the word, uh, we take it in and it should come right back out in some way, uh, not bypassing that all-important step of living it. Uh, and, 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 and obeying that word before we speak it. But we have this duty uh, to be an echo chamber, if you will, to, to echo the word. Uh, what, the, what we hear the word say, it, com- it should come right back out uh, to declare it to others. Verse 14, he says, I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Just like that song, you know, he's taught me, to, to, to watch and pray, to fight, watch and pray, but to be rejoicing every day. And um, when a person begins to rejoice in the Word, then 
you see, it becomes easier to talk about, uh, to share. Whatever excites us inevitably is, is something that's going to be part of our conversation. So I would urge you to get excited about the Word. Uh, get into the Word until you begin to rejoice in that Word. And um, the psalmist rejoiced as much in the Word as he did in great riches. Um, and the Word is truly the most valuable thing we possess. Psalm one nine, I mean Psalm nineteen, says that God's judgments, His laws, His Word is to be more desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. So, if you have the Word, doesn't matter what your uh, financial situation is. You may not have a whole lot uh, in your pocket, but you, if you have the Word, you are rich. And the more we learn from the Word, the richer we will be. And we'll be well-traveled down that path to purity. Finally, lastly, from the passage, we see that we are to be those who meditate on the Word of God. This stanza closes with two resolutions. And the first resolution is in verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Uh, meditation, of course, there are lots of ideas about what that is. Other religions have their view. But the scriptural idea of meditation is, a, is simply a thoughtful concentration and a pouring over in our minds uh, what the Word of God is saying. Uh, it, it's interesting because this word can also be translated to, to speak or to declare or tell. Uh, in this context, it would mean to speak to yourself. Right? To talk to yourself and, and, and you know, to rehearse what you have been taught, even to sing it. If you can, I was talking to a friend this week, and uh, this individual likes to take long uh, rides on his motorcycle. I mean, you know, hundreds of miles at a time. And, and he says, it's the time when I can process um, my thoughts and sing and do anything and just get, you know, all the distractions are gone when he gets on his motorcycle. But we're called, you see, to, to do that, to block everything else out and pay close attention to. And that's what it means to contemplate, to pay attention to, to fix your gaze on something. Um, and we certainly need to read our Bibles. Read as much as we can. Read through them in a year or two if you can do that. It certainly will profit you. But mere reading doesn't profit us unless we slow down and ponder and consider what we have read. I like what Spurgeon uh, says. He says, meditation treads the wine press and gets the juice out of the grapes. Uh, he said, a man can read too much if he reads without meditation. Um, so slow down and contemplate and meditate to think over how this word uh, applies to my life, how I can take it out into the world and examine everything I'm doing and, and what others are doing by that word. Think of a, of a carpenter. He's got his tape measure attached to his side, and he's always pulling it out, right, and measuring things with it uh, because he wants to, to be accurate. He wants to make sure he's got a pure measurement. And so we do the same uh, when we meditate on the word. And we don't, you know, not only in that time that we set aside, uh, in our quiet time, but throughout the day, we're pulling it out and examining our lives 
and the world around us by it. Finally, verse 16, he says, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Again, notice uh, that he makes a determination, a resolution, a choice. He says, I will delight myself. I will not forget. So if you engage in this practice of biblical meditation, if you meditate on what is revealed there in Scripture, uh, especially what it reveals about God, about the person and work of Jesus, um, you're going to experience a delight. If you give yourself fully to this, you will begin to delight in it. And uh, like the psalmist says, you will not forget the word. Uh, if something is unpleasant, we're, we're glad when we can forget it, right? Let's put that behind me. I don't want to think about that again, this thing that happened uh, this past week, whatever it may have been. But what you truly love, you don't want to forget, do you? You want to keep thinking about it. Uh, this past week, uh, I have been converting some of our old family VCR tapes. Yes, I lived in those times, too. Uh, we had a, a big clunky camera with a big VCR tape, and we took a lot of family videos. And, uh, you know, I've been converting those to digital files on our computer to preserve those memories. And it's been really neat to, to look back and, and uh, remember that, yes, I was young one time, and my children were young. They've all grown up now. And, um, you see, but when, our, when God's statutes become our, our delight, we won't forget them. We don't want to forget them. We'll do everything we can to, to, to hold on to those things, to capture them, uh, like I did with the videos. And, and you see, the most delightful parts of the Word of God are found in the gospel of our salvation. Uh, when we read and reread the text of Scripture, especially the gospel text, it, it's like watching those old videos. Uh, when... When God's grace intervened in my life, uh, I go back and read those scriptures and I remember uh, how it happened. I read verses like, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I remember, I recall what my life was like before I came to Christ. My lost condition, my need of salvation. I remember that. And then I read in Scripture, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I say, yes, Lord, I remember that gift you gave me the, the, the night I believed in you and put my faith in you. I have eternal life in you. And when I hear the word Christ loved me and gave himself for me, I'm overwhelmed. I'm reminded of the deep, deep love of Jesus, my Savior. And then I read another text. You must be born again. And I say, Lord, you, you have regenerated me. You have given me a new birth. I am a new creation in Christ. I, I once was lost, and now I can see, and I know myself to be new in Christ. Well, these, these kinds of things, you see, make me delight in the, in the Word of God. The written Word reveals the living Word the Lord Jesus to me. And because I delight in Him, I desire to please Him. I desire to obey Him. If you love me, He said, you'll keep my commandments. So I want to learn about His commandments too. I go back to the law. The law doesn't condemn me anymore because Christ took the curse of the law in my place. 
And so I delight in him, I want to obey him, I want to live a pure and holy life. And I begin to ask that question, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can an older man, how can I, Lord, keep my way pure? And here's the pathway to purity spelled out in these eight verses. Really, it's the whole Bible, but you know, these eight verses will do for today. Uh, How do you keep your way pure? By keeping it according to the word. Are you on that path? It's a narrow path that leads to life. It's called a highway of holiness in the Bible. It's the way to the Father. And Jesus says, I am the way. You come through me. And you come through my word. It's his word, you see, that keeps me in that path. Well, let's go to the Lord now.